Welcome to Fig Tree Watchers. Tonight on the West Coast Gospel Hour, we're reading the Christmas factual event of Jesus' birth. That's next on the West Coast Gospel Hour, so stay tuned. Welcome, everyone. And with a little bit of uh, help tonight, we want to let you know that we so appreciate the response that we've been getting from everyone about the uh, podcast that you can see. We also want to remind you that you can uh, view this again on Instagram, the replay. We save every live, and it's always good to have you. And then you can always check us out on figtreewatchers.com. And don't forget, we're also on Facebook. We have a group chat that you're welcome to join. So thank you so much uh, for your continued support and watching us. We really do appreciate it. Or listening to us on the podcast here at Fig Tree Watchers. And remember, the website is real easy to remember. It's figtreewatchers.com. And all of our affiliates with social media are all under the Fig Tree Watchers logo. So you'll recognize it real easily. A lot of nice responses from all of you. Uh, I got some great messages, received some great messages from you all uh, regarding last night's study. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate all the kind words uh, and uh, also the incredible questions that we received. So thank you very, very much. Keep that up. And God bless you all uh, as you are drawing close to the Lord. Well, we are approaching that wonderful time of year that we call Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want to make that crystal clear again. This is not the celebration of Santa Claus, the reindeer. Uh, it's not about the, the Christmas lights, although they represent the light uh, of Christ into the world. It's not about candy canes, although the founder of candy canes, the creator of candy canes, did them in a J representing Jesus Christ. The red representing his blood and the white representing the purity of our salvation through Jesus. So, it is an incredible thing when we think about what Christ has done and how he's impacted the world for 2,000 years. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. And tonight we will be reading from Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. And uh, we want to make sure that you open up your Bibles and uh, uh, come and join us as we talk a little about the factual event of Christ's birth. Before we do that, as always, we want to pray. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for coming 2,000 years ago into that manger for becoming flesh, O Lord, so that we, O God, could be pardoned for our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ 
as he paid the price, the ransom for everyone everywhere. We thank you, God, for this. We pray, O Lord, that you would wash away our sins tonight that we have, that you forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. We pray, God, that you would uh, remove all the barriers that we have in our life, O Lord, that keep us from knowing you. What we love about you, God, is that you want to know us, that you want to have a relationship with us, and you want us to know you. Renew our minds, O God. Transform our hearts, O Lord, and help us to draw closer to you through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's read this wonderful story. And if you know some people that... uh, should join us tonight. I uh, welcome them, invite them. You can send out the invite now, and we'd love to have them here. And for those of you listening in the podcast, we will be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This Census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out into the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will... Find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the Lord and concerning this child, I'm sorry. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. This is the greatest event 
in human history. It is a capsule. It is a, the, the story event put into the capsule form of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the momentous promise that God gave Adam and Eve that her seed would crush the seed of the serpent. It is the promise of Abraham that he made him. It was the promise to send a savior into the world to redeem all mankind. It was the promise to David that through his line, the Messiah would come. It was the promise to Ahaz that a, a child would be born of a virgin. It was the promise made in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. It was the promise that was made over 300 times in the Old Testament, fulfilled by one individual. That individual is Jesus Christ. No one else could do it. And as I mentioned earlier in the week, Peter Stoner, a mathematician, calculated this out. You can look at the first video that we did on this. It is so important that as a believer, we understand the birth of Jesus Christ. We understand it because it is the most important beginning part of the gospel message that we start with. We start with the understanding that according to the scriptures, Jesus came in the flesh, was born of a virgin, and it begins the understanding that God loves us and sent Jesus into the world as Isaiah 53 tells us to serve, to be a servant, to come into the world to serve. And as Jesus said, he says, I've come to serve, not to be served. So this is the incredible story that we've just read in Luke chapter two. But let's break it down. Here's some interesting notes that you might not know about and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about them. Um, we have in the first part, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. I want you to underline the phrase first took place. A lot of atheists, they utilize this and say, there's no way that this could have happened. Um, not in the time frame of where Jesus was born and when this actually happened. Because there is a stone that talks about this. There, there's a tablet that talks about this taxation. But here's the key words. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. It first took place there. Luke is telling you that this there is an event here and there is the second event later on. There's two events here in this taxation. And remember, it's not like today 
where if you had to go and register where you were born, you would have you would be able to fly. You'd have to get there fast. This was a major event. And it was kind of like you had to go to your hometown and register because that was kind of where all the documents were going to be. Uh, experienced this in a, in a different fashion in my mom's ancestry. So there was a courthouse in Poland, which is not in Germany, which is where my parents, my, my ancestries, the majority of them lived. But there's a, a, a place in Poland that used to belong to Germany. And after World War I, it was, it was taken away from Germany. It was given to Poland. And this courthouse had the, hist the family history line. And one of the interesting things that was in this courthouse, this document, was that I come, my line comes from Jewish ancestry. Well, one of my grandfather's uncles did not like this because he saw that the Nazis were coming into power and he decided to go burn down the courthouse. And he did. Um, and I would... Because of this, it saved the family. Now, I would like to say that, that this was a great uncle of mine, but he was actually a despicable human being. Uh, in fact, uh, it, it, there was nothing redeeming about this uncle except for his one good act that spared the family. Um, but uh, it is something that happened. So they lived in Frankfurt, Germany, and they had to go into Poland and he destroyed those documents. So it's not unreasonable from a historical standpoint to see that this may have been the case, but we also understand very clearly that Luke is describing that this taxation began while Quirinius was governor of Syria. It began and it first took place there. We have documents that took place in Egypt. We have documents of it experiencing throughout the Roman Empire. So there is credibility to this story. But the biggest credibility actually comes from a great classical archaeologist by the name of Sir William Ramsey. He said that Luke was a first-rate historian. Now, what's interesting about uh, Mr. Ramsey is that he first came out to prove the inaccuracy of the Gospels. This was his goal, and especially came out to bash Luke. Uh, this was his first intention. But um, it, is, it is not the case. In fact, let me read something to you. One who writes historical works of the highest order in which a writer commands excellence means of knowledge either through personal acquaintance or through access to original authorities and brings to the treatment of his subjects genius, literary skills, and sympathetic historical insight into human character and the movement of events. Such an author seizes the critical events, consecrates the reader's attention on them, giving them fuller treatment. One such event to which Luke draws attention is a government census which took place during the reign of Augustus before Christ was born. This event is pivotal event in the Christmas story and is often overlooked with skepticism by some. This is what was written about Luke. 
It is because of what Mr. Ramsey had discovered that Luke's articulation, Luke's description was highly accurate in Mr. Ramsey's archaeological search uh, for historical uh, related events regarding Luke's descriptions in the, in the gospel. So you had an archaeologist that would utilize what Luke was saying and he found out that it's absolutely accurate. And he rates him as a first-rate historian. Now, we know that Luke was a doctor. So being precise was part of his character. As a doctor, you have to be precise. Um, and Luke seemed to be a pretty good doctor. He accompanied Paul on mission trips. And somewhere along the line, you know, he became this proficient writer as well. But it's not only that, it's also because he was hired by someone to report the facts. Remember, in Luke chapter 1, it's my dear Theophilus that he writes. If you listen to this, it says in the very first verse of chapter 1, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So Luke is writing to this individual Theophilus and he's saying, I want to make it absolutely clear. I'm going to give you a an account that you can count on. Okay, an account that you can count on. Get that? Okay, Theophilus, with absolute certainty, the things in which you were instructed. And one of them is the gospel message. So we move on. To verse 4, now Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Joseph had to be, he absolutely had to be, in order for Jesus to fulfill prophecy, this is one of them, he had to be of the line of David. Joseph was from the line of David. And this is one of those accurate details of the 300 prophecies that Jesus, over 300 prophecies that Jesus had to fulfill. And this is one of those ones that Jesus couldn't self-fulfill, right? It's not like Jesus could make Joseph his dad from the line of David. This had to be the case. Now, as I mentioned, Peter Stoner said, you can have three self-fulfilled prophecies. But after that, it's impossible, you know, and here's one that wasn't capable of being self-fulfilled, right? It wasn't one that he could manipulate the facts on. So he had to be lying from David. Now, this is interesting. Jesus had to come from Nazareth. Well, they had to go up in the city of Nazareth, right? Out of the city of Nazareth into Judea. Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Now, Jesus had no control over this. Jesus had none whatsoever. He's born in Bethlehem, comes out of Nazareth. 
He's the child of the lineage of David. Now we're just going into improbability factors here that are just crazy in statistical analysis. So he, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who by the way was a virgin, who was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, this to fulfill the scriptures, which we read in the last two days. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Why the word swaddling clothes? What does that mean? Um, always wondered this as a child. Swaddling clothes were actually for the lambs. When a lamb was born, the priest would come. They would look at the lamb to make sure that it had no speck on it whatsoever because it would be raised up eventually for what? The sacrifices that were made. And it had to be a pure lamb without any speckle in it. And they examined it and they would take the hind quarter. If it was checked, they would wrap it up in these clothes and they called it the swaddling clothes. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in Revelation is called the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. He's wrapped in the swaddling clothes that were supposed to be used for lambs, for the sacrifices, for the atonement of sin. So this is exactly what is happening, why Mary is doing this. Now, remember, there's no room for them in the inn, right? We understand that. Um, they are in what is most likely, and, and I'm going to uh, tell you from the historical account of Justin the Martyr, he says it was a cave uh, that was out there. And that's most likely because we now know that there are caves in the area of where we suspect Jesus was born. Um, we're going we're gonna to go with what Justin the Martyr says because he's closer to the time event there. It's not some nice little you know, barn that we always see in the nativity scenes. It was most likely a cave. And the manger itself is actually a, it wasn't a wooden trough that we, we always see with hay in it, as we see in the modern depictions of the manger. It is actually probably more like a stone trough. And that's where they would actually lay the lamb in. And we have actually discovered some of these. And that's how we know that they're stone troughs. These are new kind of modern discoveries of a stone trough that they would lay the lamb in, they would do the examination, wrap it in the swaddling clothes. And this is exactly where Jesus was because he is the lamb. And remember, we talked about this yesterday. When John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, behold, the lamb of God, right? Now, this is very interesting because this really affects the timeline for Jesus, and this is verse eight. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. This is real important because remember, if it was any time close to Passover or if it was any time close to uh, atonement or any of the, the, the major festivals, the sheep would have been in Jerusalem. They would not have been on the hills by the uh, by Bethlehem at all. Why? Because it would have been taken there for the slaughter for the sacrifices. Okay, so 
we know that the time frame here might meet the November to December period or, or early January period. We know that. And so uh, this makes a lot of sense in there. Look, we don't know the exact date of when Jesus was born. Yeah, I could be wrong here. I'm going to say that. It could be July. But there's starting to become a lot of evidence based on lunar eclipses, based on a lot of new modern technology that we have, based on some of the evidence that we're getting from the Dead Sea Scrolls, based on Daniel's uh, account. We're starting to see some things lining up with this kind of time frame. Now, could we all be wet? Absolutely. We could all be right there. Completely wrong. But there is this important fact. The day that we celebrate Jesus' birthday is irrelevant to the fact that we must celebrate Jesus' birthday. Whatever day it is, and in my family's case, for example, we don't celebrate on the 25th. We celebrate on the 24th. We celebrate the birth of Christ on the 24th. We have a traditional Christmas meal that is really ancient in our family's history, going back in my, in my mom's family way back when. Uh, we have a, uh, a soup that is called resurrection soup that we serve our family. Uh, we serve it with something that is a German dish called uh, Fleisch Salat, it's meat salad. It's mixed with eggs and pickles and um, celery in it from the meat that was used to make the soup. Um, we serve it with a special potato salad that is there. Um, we've added a couple of things. Every generation adds something to that, to that meal. Um, in my case, we've added um, stuffed mushrooms. And uh, it's... Uh, the reason being is it was kind of one of those early dating experiences with my wife. Uh, I uh, um, subdued her love for me by making her stuffed mushrooms. And so on the holiday, it's it's a big deal. She loves that. And so I've, we've added that as our part of our Christmas tradition. Um, and then it's, it's served with um, uh, other things in, in the dish, uh, boiled custard. Uh, that my wife has brought in as her tradition to it because the spouse always brings one. We also have it with the regular celeries and carrots and we have dips that we, we serve it with. And this has been our traditional meal. And every generation adds something to it. My wife added the boiled custard um, so we can make it our own. And, um, and then we've added in the stuffed mushrooms. And so we do this meal and we celebrate it. And we read the Christmas story to our kids we talk about what God is doing in the world and we look forward to his return. It is so important because it is important that we talk about the birth of Christ. And listen, listen to what happened next, right? In the story. So the shepherds, they're sitting there, they're minding their own business, okay? They're tending to their flocks and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were greatly afraid. Yeah, yeah, I, you see an angel of the Lord, you're gonna be afraid, okay? I'm, I'm sorry. And I love this about the angels of the Lord, right? They always say, fear not, 
Don't be afraid, right? You know? And by the way, how do you tell an angel of the Lord, okay, versus a false angel? A false angel is going to say, worship me, right? Angel of the Lord is going to say, hey, don't bow. I'm just one of your fellow servants, right? You know, don't be afraid, right? Satan always has some egomaniacal plan to be worshipped in, in his thing, and he just can't help himself, right? So he gives himself away. I, it's one of the, the great signs here. Um, then the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Hey, I'm bringing you good news. Great news. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, this is one of those alls that you want to underline in your Bible, okay? It's good news for all people, right? All people. You know, the Calvinist in us all hates that verse. Why? Because why would Jesus, according to the Calvinist, limited atonement, Jesus came and died for a select predestined group of people. But that's not what the angel says. The angel says it's good news for all people, everyone, everywhere. Well, if you are not one of the predestined people, according to Calvinism, this isn't good news for you, right? But why is it that the angel says it's for all people? Because it is for all people. Because Christ died for everyone everywhere, for all mankind, this is why you need to stick to your scripture reading and not to your man-made theologies. But I digress. And remember, I want to say this for all those new podcasters that have jumped on and listening to the podcast. I am not Armenian either. So don't accuse me of being Armenian because I'm not. And I'm not a Calvinist either. My theology is congruent, biblical congruent theology. Uh, and so here he says, for this is, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. So the angel's giving him a sign and that's always important. Uh, a sign will be given to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Man, that must have been incredible. Absolutely incredible. You're looking up, you got one angel, you're like kind of afraid. He's like, hey, don't be afraid. I got great news for you. All right? A savior who's come into the world is born today. It's for all people, everyone, everywhere. Right? And then just to kind of like solidify that this is from God Almighty, right? heavenly host appears and you know the angels are like we got to go big on this one right they we got to go big on this because this is the greatest event in human history christ the lord is born today right and, and you could hear angels we have heard on high you know you just got it right and then you got that you know, you know, that great singing going on. You could just imagine it. You get into church and you're having the worship music and the choir singing those songs. And you just, you feel the moment. You're in the moment. And they must have, they must have just been in the moment. Because something crazy happens to these shepherds, right? 
So it was when the angels had gone away from them in heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now, right this moment, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They could care less about their sheep at that moment. God, you take care of the sheep. We're going to go and see you, (laughs) right? Let's go. We're going to go. And they went immediately and they came with haste. Okay, that means they hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Like they were on the scene, double time, got there. Oh, he's still there. He's in the manger. Woohoo! We got here in time, right? Man, you just get, you get the excitement. You have the music going. It's, it's fantastic. And you're just sitting there going, wow, what a great baby. Yeah, how did you hear about us? We heard you on Facebook. No, the angels told us. The angels came and told us. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying that was told them concerning this child. You see, they talked about the Christmas event. The shepherds went, and it's telling you, they went and they told everyone. They were telling everyone about the Christmas event. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told them by the shepherds. Everyone was marveling. See, You see, we're not supposed to keep Christmas quiet. We're not supposed to delude the Christmas story either. And and I want you to shout it from the mountaintops, you know, and, and if you got reindeer and Santa Claus, you need to, to put that aside and you need to put the real Christmas story up because you don't want to delude the story and you surely don't want to mix it with pagan customs. You just want to share the good news that the Lord has come. And finally, in this verse, I love this part of it. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think about when I read that verse, I think about this song, Mary, Did You Know? Right? Mary, did you know? You know, and um, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Because I think about this as a father, right? I, I... when I look at my kids and I, and I hold them in their arms, every one of them, I've thought about what are they going to grow up to be? What are they going to do? What are, what are they going to accomplish? How can I protect them? Who's going to hurt them? Can I keep them away from danger? Am, am I going to be a good father? Am I going to raise them in the ways of the Lord in the right way? Am I going to mess this up as a dad? You know, am I... what? Am I going to get things right as their father? Am I going to exasperate them, cause them to turn away from the Lord? Or am I going to cause them to to follow Jesus? I worry about this. I worry about this so much, especially with my 15-year-old son and and my 14-year-old daughter right now. They're in those teenage years. I'm I'm kind of breathing a sigh of relief with the 21-year-old right now and the the 18-year-old. They seem to be walking down the right path, although every once in a while I kind of have to sit the 18-year-old and remind her that, you know, she's got to humble herself down a little bit. Um, But 
I worry about these things. And Mary did too. She pondered all these things because in her heart, she didn't know exactly all the details that were going to come. I don't know. We don't know. Then the shepherds returned back where they returned to, back to their sheep, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. So what they were told by the angels, they heard and they saw. And what the angels had told them was absolutely factual. Now, Luke's account here is amazing in details. You see, Luke is describing things about the shepherds, about the details of Mary's thoughts and everything else, as if he had gotten these accounts firsthand or if he had got these accounts exactly as they were told to him by others. Luke is giving you a description here of, a, of the factual events of Jesus' birth that you can't really argue against. And, and you can say things like, well, Jesus never existed, but that's not true because there's plenty of evidence for Jesus existing, okay? 12 disciples who all died for their faith. No one dies for a lie. Okay, no one's willing to die for a lie. I've never met anyone willing to die for a lie. They always squeal at the end. Yeah, I lied. I'm sorry. Please don't kill me. But the disciples, they all died. And their faith was known throughout the world. Paul was willing to be beheaded. He stood up with King Agrippa, declaring his faith, knowing the consequence of what was going to happen to him, that it could happen. Later on, he's killed by the emperor. But these men willingly went to their deaths. They suffered the, the horrific uh, details of, of what they had to go through because they believed, they saw, they heard, and they knew. They knew. It wasn't just their belief, it was their knowing. They saw the resurrected Jesus. And they knew that what they believed was true. This is one of the most amazing events because it is the beginning of the gospel message that Christ came into the world. Now, we go to John. And John, which we read the other night, gives another interesting narrative on here. And he wants you to understand why this is so important. In the beginning, before humanity came about, before the world was even created, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So, all of creation, all life itself was created through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, 
in the little town of Bethlehem, you could write in there. And his own did not receive him. His own people in Nazareth did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. This is the gospel message that we understand. That we have to believe that Jesus came into the world. That he came in to flesh. And that he died for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And as Romans um, chapter 10 tells us, that you will not be put to shame if you do this belief, if you believe this account. The birth of Jesus isn't the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest event that has ever happened. It's the greatest event that has ever happened in human history. And it is a, an event that humbles us all and makes us all come to this moment and examine our hearts and ask the question, do you believe that God loves you so much that he came into the flesh, into the little stable to die for you so that you could have life and be freed from the burden of your sins. Do you believe that? Now, many atheists, many skeptics go, nope, I don't. And I will argue with them that the real reason they don't believe is because they don't want to be accountable. They don't want to believe because if they actually began to rationalize their doubt and began to examine it and began to go, okay, what if it's true? then they would have to change. They would have to recognize that they are a sinner and that they need a savior. But to many of them, this is too horrific of an idea. Even Dawkins once said this, that I can't believe because if I did, I'd have to change. And I'm paraphrasing that sentence um, because it was something along those lines and I don't remember it 100% accurately, but that is something he did say and It's something that I think we've all looked at in our lives. If I believe, if Jesus is God, then I do need to change. Then I need to change my life around. Because what I'm doing now just isn't working. The world gives you these great quotes. Believe in yourself. Trust in yourself. Well, if you could actually believe in yourself and trust yourself, then why are you making the same stupid mistakes over and over and over again? Why do you keep choosing the same bad relationships? Why do you keep heading in the wrong, same wrong direction? Why do you keep making the same bad choices? 
Because you keep believing in yourself and trusting in yourself. Maybe it's time that you deny yourself and believe in God and trust the Lord to guide your steps. You see, the shepherds, they were minding themselves quite well, tending to their sheep, probably talking about the, you know, latest gladiator um, character that was in all the Colosseums of Rome. And some angels showed up. And they were blown away by it. And it changed their life immeasurably forever. Because suddenly they realized that all the promises made to the Jewish people about a Savior coming, that on that very night, they were going to meet the Savior of the world. And with that, their lives were immeasurably changed forever. Forever. They couldn't deny the angels. They couldn't deny the, the, the myriads and myriads of angels they saw, the heavenly host. Not everyone gets a supernatural miracle, but we all get to know the truth when we truly allow ourselves to ask the questions, what if? What if? The next question that I encourage you to ask is, okay, God, prove yourself to me. Prove yourself. I'm willing to go down the road if you'll reveal yourself to me. I challenge you, if you're the biggest atheist or the skeptic, Ask God, genuinely. But make that decision genuinely with God. Say, okay, I don't believe, but I want to find out. I'm willing to find out if you'll show me, really show me, move me, move my hard heart and show me that you are God. And I promise you this, he will. He will. Well, that is it for the West Coast Gospel Hour tonight here on Fig Trees. We want to thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow night will be a special night of Friday Night Prophecy with Io from Himitsu Study, my co-host and partner here on Fig Tree Watchers. We look forward to having you. Um, and uh, if you would like to watch the replay of this, it will be saved here on Instagram at Fig Tree Watchers, or you can go to figtreewatchers.com. You can go and watch the videos from Instagram right there on the website. Or you can listen to the podcast, which is now available on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Anchor, uh, Spotify, and others. So thanks for joining us tonight. And may God bless you and Merry Christmas. Have yourself a merry, merry Christmas time of year. Because this is the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, everyone.